umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we have lots of great topics this week first up clint what did you think about that game versus illinois well, I, it was 75% satisfying, I would say. You know, three three quarters of the game was exactly what we expected. But um, for whatever reason, uh, from the end of the second quarter through the beginning of the fourth quarter, that was, you know, a, a total disappearing act uh, kind of on both sides of the ball. So it was enough just to remind you that you're you're still not quite comfortable with uh, with everything that's going on. But it, at least we're 75% to the good as opposed to the rest of the year that's been 50% or less to the good and can scratch our heads as to how we won the game. But that was the dominating performance that, uh, you know, almost slipped away. But um, even uh, even at the end of the day, when all the numbers went into the uh, SP plus model, uh, Bill Connolly's model still spit out 100% uh, post-game win expectancy, meaning that, if uh, you dumped all of those statistics into the model and ran it infinite number of times, Michigan would always end up coming out on top, even if it wasn't that score. So it was uh, just uh, just anxiety for no reason there in the third quarter. But um, it was good to see some, some success in the offensive run game, especially. You know, it's one of those games where if you hadn't seen the game and you looked at the final score, you could kind of imagine a scenario where Michigan goes up big early and, you know, gives up some, some touchdowns in junk time. And, oh, it's, it's yeah, maybe maybe one or two more touchdowns than you would have liked, right? But, but still not that bad. As you mentioned, a lot of anxiety in the third quarter there. And, again, uh, a couple frustrating things for me. Love the first half. Loved how Michigan came out and really just put the running game in gear. And again, at halftime, this had all the earmarks of a runaway, uh, almost a practice game, right? Michigan's just going to keep running and and maybe mix some other guys in and, and just you know keep dominating. And then you come out in the third quarter, and like you said, the the, the really scary thing for me is it looked like. Illinois' offense had found a, a combination to exploit our defense. And, you know, you have a guy, uh, a, you know, opposing quarterback in his first start. And, again, you just you don't like to see that. I mean, when it was 28-25, it definitely, uh, you know, got the blood racing. Now, again, Michigan came back, scored some touchdowns, you know, ended up having a nice margin of victory. But the disappointing thing for me is, I had really hoped for that fourth quarter to get perhaps um, you know uh, Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey uh, some some reps you know in case something happens to to Shea Patterson I was really hoping that we could benefit from a from an easy fourth quarter and get some other guys some reps you know we found out after the game that Dylan McCaffrey was available and could have played so again it, again we can just talk about you know water under the bridge it would have been nice but again a win is a win you know as as we've said a couple times this season I would rather have an ugly win than a pretty loss you know any day of the week so 
But again, just uh, you know, a frustrating. You know, just kind of you scratch your head. Um, we've seen the offense disappear at times, but uh, the shocking thing for me was was what happened to our defense. Yeah, the the issues were were just a matter of getting back to fundamentals and playing at, at full intensity, um, kind of snapping back into focus. I think it was uh, probably uh, not letting off the gas uh, in terms of. Uh, scheme, but letting off the gas in terms of uh, personal intensity uh, at, at the player level and at, at the coaching level. So once uh, once that all snapped back into focus, um, you know, Michigan turned it around. I, the one one thing that uh, I can say is is legitimate is that the the, the wind was was pretty strong. Um, it, it it tends to really affect a lot of what you're trying to do, both with field position and kicking and uh, in the passing game. And it was the second and third quarter that Michigan was going into the wind. So um, the second quarter, Michigan still scored twice, but um, kind of going uphill both ways there for the second and third quarter because uh, once Michigan chose, obviously, to receive the ball um, after halftime, then Illinois gets to pick which direction they made them go into the wind. So that was... 30 straight minutes into the wind, which probably has a little bit to do with um, the field feeling kind of tipped uh, in the wrong direction. But that is a, that's just one small factor. It doesn't, doesn't explain everything, but it does. Uh, it is kind of unspoken. So I, I wanted to point that out. Yeah. And I think during the broadcast, they definitely mentioned the wind and Illinois doesn't have a reputation for uh, in the architecture of the stadium, the way the wind kind of swirls around. So um, definitely impacted um, not only the offensive play selection, but but the kicking game as well. Yep, yep, absolutely, and and kind of wears you out um, in terms of what you can call, right? From from Josh Gaddis's standpoint, they only had the opportunity to call 28 plays in the second and third quarter together, and uh, you know as opposed to uh, 43 for Illinois so not only was it a kind of fighting uphill but it was kind of a barrage in terms of uh, wearing down the defense and that that kind of explains some of the poor performance from the defense is just not being able to get off the field and uh, give themselves a break so uh, it is what it is uh, I'm glad it was nice to see on the road the the leadership um, at the player level kind of snap uh snap back into uh, focus like I said I think Shane Patterson really showed some uh, some guts um, getting back involved into the run game picked up a big fourth down conversion nice to see some leadership there obviously from a senior quarterback so there were things that were good well Clint after the Illinois game it's uh, a good time it's kind of a mid-season check and you've been working on a really interesting document um, you know we've had some discussions and you've kind of pointed out, you know, the difference between um, the 2016 Penn State team that, you know, suffered a kind of a bad loss to Michigan, but still went on to win the Big Ten and the 2019 Michigan team. So uh, would you like to talk about that document? I think it's some really good stuff. Coming out of game at Wisconsin, kind of um, kind of the new ceiling these could be obviously was was 2016 still winning the big 10 uh penn state uh, the other link 
that you and I talked about is more running this offense that uh, Gaddis learned under. Um, and, and they kind of were disjointed early on in the year, uh, not nearly as successful as they as they wanted. So, um, all of those parallels kind of early on in the season um, kind of geared my attention to that. And then the big loss to Wisconsin uh, reminded me of the big loss that Michigan put on Penn State um, in their fourth game that year. So what I did was uh, took the two schedules, regular season schedules, and put them next to each other. And um, using Bill Connolly's uh, advanced uh, box scores, where he uh, kind of ranks or where that team, each team, what their end of season uh, plus rank, and uh, kind of lined it up and, and did the comparison. And through the first nine games of that season, uh, the, the 16 Penn State season, compares really, really closely with the first nine games of Michigan's season for this year. So uh, week one, Middle Tennessee lines up with their week one, right? Middle Tennessee is ranked 112th right now. Uh, Penn State's opponent that year was ranked 113th, Kent State. They beat them by 20 points. We beat uh, Middle Tennessee State by 19 points. So that's kind of how I looked at it. I lined up everybody's uh, – SP plus rank, and then what the score margin was. Uh, really, the only one that doesn't line up real nicely was Army. Army was 50 spots lower than um, the other team that Penn State early in the season was Pittsburgh. Army right now is ranked 70th, and Pittsburgh is ranked was ranked uh, 20th in, in 16. So that's the only real misfit. But uh, when you average out the, the six games where we're at right now, SP plus rank would say that um, Michigan's schedule or their opponents right now rank 2.7 spots lower. You know, that's that's pretty close. Out of 130 teams, being within three spots on average is uh, is pretty close. And like I said, that, that minus 50 is kind of weighing Michigan down there. And then score margin, um, Michigan is six points better than Penn State was at this point in the season um, in 2016. So, Real quick, kind of a recap of what they had done. After Michigan blew them out 49-10, to 10, they went home for Minnesota and Maryland. They beat Minnesota 29-26 to 26, and then beat Maryland 38-14. to 14. So I compare that uh, Minnesota game um, sort of how we uh, – you know, only one by a touchdown against Iowa at home, closer than we were comfortable with. Minnesota was actually ranked 42nd. Iowa's 19th right now in SP+. Then there, Maryland, 6th, winning by uh, 24 points. It's kind of like our Illinois that we just had, winning by, um, you know, 17 points. So... Um, Maryland in 2016 was 87th and now an SP plus 74th actually better than, than there. So all of that is, is a big, you know, mumbo jumbo way of saying they're on very similar tracks towards um, turning it around from a rocky start and a really, really bad loss early in the season. If things continue to improve and come together, then week seven, in 2016 is when Penn State um, 
shocked Ohio State 24-21 on that returned field goal block. And obviously Michigan plays at Penn State. Uh, Ohio State was fifth in 2016, and Penn State right now is sixth. So, um, like I said, it kind of lines up pretty nicely um, where the, the tough games fall in the schedule. And, uh, you know, it's time to – got to win that really – uh, high-level game, and and you got to prove that uh, you, know, you can play at a championship level, and that's that's what we're looking for. I think uh, I think that obviously the staff and the players, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a challenging environment, but this is uh, this is what will um, win a title. So um, that's what the expectation is. Then they need to go execute. Well, and it is interesting that. Um, with the teams so closely matched uh, between the two seasons, they now meet each other. And so the question I have for you, Clint, is more of a, of a gut feeling here. Um, when we look at Michigan's offense, you know, we had the explosion versus Rutgers, um, a pretty decent performance against Illinois, even if we had the third quarter power outage. And then we have, you know, 14 points against Wisconsin and 10 points against Iowa. Where do you, how do you feel about the offense, you know, heading into the last half of the season? Um, I know we've, we've talked a lot in the press box and watching games about that. It was, it seemed like things were close to clicking. Um, you know, how do you feel? Are, are you, do you feel good about the offense? Do you feel that they're about to pull it together or, you know, what's your impression as we, as we head into this gauntlet of the last six games? Well, I'm glad you asked this question because I think it, it kind of applies to the whole the whole team and the whole season and the whole kind of fan base in general. Um, really, we were all anchored, I think, in our expectations, right? I think even the even the most conservative expectations um, before the season started thought that the offense would be a little bit better than last year, a little worse, and year that was conservative right uh a lot of folks were like me thought that that we'd be right in the big 10 title hunt and maybe challenging for playoffs so because we start there then uh michigan comes out and is underwhelming by any measure right the eyeball test math statistics however you want to look at it michigan's been underwhelming on offense and that feeling of being um unimpressed you know as compared to your expectations i think is is the biggest reason that there's so much negativity right now within the fan base and and in the program so um in terms of what i think of the offense specifically i still expect to be successful i think that we still have a lot of returning a lot of experience on the offensive line and that's the most important thing i think we still have a, a senior quarterback that you know started an entire season last year and was highly efficient. You know, 65 uh, percent completion rate I think last year and 22 touchdowns to seven picks. You know that that's the same guy. You know, and, and he's not playing as well right now as he did last year, um, but he, he's he's the same guy, right? And and the biggest difference obviously is the change in system it's not a matter of the system being unable um to be successful it's transition it's, it's a really significant transition and trying to fit 
um, a new um, kind of base philosophy uh, to to players and and dealing with some of those growing pains. So the reason that I am optimistic still, even though I expected it to click, I expected it to click um, right around the Iowa game. When I was in the preseason, I expected uh, the home game at Iowa to be really when everything started to come together. And obviously, you know, we're still kind of waiting for it to click. Um, but we saw some things schematically up front, the pin and pull and the down G series, uh, the quarterback running the ball a little bit more. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but they were sending the running back on a flare route um, in one direction to the field and, and the quarterback in the other way, that stretching the defense horizontally um, using X's and O's. And that's some stuff that was missing since really week one against Middle Tennessee. So the fact that things must be looking better and better and better in practice to where they are not coming all the way into the game plan and being executed in the games, I think is a, is a good sign. What we saw at Illinois is a good sign. I expect to see Michigan have some success offensively in this game against Penn state, but that's a really good, that's a really good defense. So um, I don't think it, they're necessarily going to take off like a rocket ship, but I do expect them to be able to move the ball, get first downs. And, and basically um, I think they will perform as well, if not, uh, if not a little bit better than Penn State does against our defense. So the interesting thing for me is I still feel like, okay, so I feel good about Penn State. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. The weird thing is, is that the Illinois game kind of reinforced the best and the worst for this team for me, where I'm watching the first half and I said, okay, they're, they're taking care of a, of a, you know, not a great team the way they should, you know, they were, you know, limited in their offensive play calling because of the wind, but they were just pounding them into the ground. And we were, you know, we were saying, look, the offensive line is there. We had another, you know, running back up here and it, it really looked like, you know, they were doing what they needed to do again. It, it looked like a scrimmage and, and in a good way. And then the third quarter kind of reminded me that you really can't take for granted either the offense or scarily the defense yet, right? So with that, I kind of, I still feel that, um, you know, there's lots of warning lights and I don't know how it's going to settle down. You know, again, you know, nobody knows, but, you know, I, I wouldn't bet one way or the other, but I wouldn't be surprised by one or the other. Now, with that said, I feel pretty good about Penn State. And it's interesting because, you know, if you look at it, there are a lot of things that should cause concern. It's, first of all, on the road. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be a whiteout. We know the atmosphere will be crazy. But when I look at, and, and again, I've, I've, I probably watch Penn State more than any other Big Ten rival other than Ohio State. Um, you know, for, for obvious reasons, you know, we have some, we know some people up there, so it's always good to, you know, I, 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 I do, I just watch Penn state, you know, and I have some, uh, some friends who are big Penn state fans. So it helps to be able to talk to them. So the point is, is that right now Penn state doesn't scare me. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I look at the ranking, but when I look at, um, 
you know, them schematically and I look at how how well we play sometimes, I feel if Michigan comes out and plays, um, you know, the best that they can, I think, you know, e- even taking into account that there may be some lapses, I feel pretty good about, about you know, Michigan winning. Now, the weird thing is, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you kind of expected the offense to come together by the Iowa game. Again, <clears throat> the game, you know, both teams kind of went into a shell, you know, after early in the second quarter. But that margin was right about where I thought it would be. Okay. You know, I, I you know, first of all, I was hoping and thinking Michigan was going to win. And, and I figured, you know, seven or eight points was going to be the margin. So on one hand, while, you know, I expected more scoring all the way around, it, it did kind of end up where, where, you know, a, a good result for Michigan. So um, I, again, I, I'm looking at this Penn state game and uh, I do think it's a, it's a huge indicator. Um, it could be a huge confidence boost for Michigan heading into this, this just gauntlet of games. Um, and you know, Clint, you know, I was going to ask you, can you remember a series of games this daunting at any other time on Michigan's schedule since, since you've been a fan or when you were working with the team? I, I mean, I think we, we all felt that way about that three game stretch last year with Wisconsin at home, Michigan state on the road and then Penn state at home. Um, but I think pushing the rivalry games um, all into November, right. With, with uh, Notre Dame coming away from the beginning of the season and moving into the second half of the season and then uh, Michigan state and Ohio state. So close together in November, um, it definitely feels even a little bit different even than that. But um, I would say that, yeah, that's, that's the closest thing that, that there is, is what we did last year with that three game stretch and uh, you know, Michigan executed well then. And, and not only did they have the two big uh, wins, uh, you know, big margin of victory against Wisconsin and Penn state at home, but that's the only game on the road last year that they outperformed the, uh, the SP plus projection was the uh, road game at uh, Michigan state. So this is the time of the year, this third quarter of the season that um, Michigan really clicked both last year. It's kind of how uh, it's kind of the time of the year that Penn State clicked in 2016 when we compared to that. So um, while it is a really daunting and critical part of the schedule coming up here, it's also been when Michigan has kind of hit, um, you know, finally climbed to the top of the learning curve, so to speak, in seasons past, even back to 2015 with uh, with Jake Rudock transferring in. You know, this is the point of the season that they started to really – uh, come together and gel as a unit. Um, so I, I I maintain the same optimism that I had. Uh, I think I think it's still reasonable to uh, to expect to win this game. Um, I, I think it's going to be very, very close, and I think it's going to be a relatively ugly game. I think the defenses are going to dominate this game um, much more so than the offenses, uh, personally. I, I just think it's going to look, uh, you know, something something in the teen, maybe like a 21-20 sort of game. And, 
you know, again, special teams and field position will be a huge, huge deal, um, both in uh, either trying to make big plays or avoid uh, giving up big plays and then trying to tilt the field one way or the other. Because I just don't think either offense is going to sustain long drives uh, against these two top 10 defenses. Well, and again, you know, if, if it's a defensive battle, I like our, I like our edge, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I, even, even though statistically, uh, Clifford has been uh, just a hair better statistically than Patterson has been. Um, we know, we know that Shea is capable of doing more. I think Shea's got, you know, Shea's experience makes the difference. And we know that Don Brown is going to pour all of the pressure onto Clifford as he can. He's going to challenge, he's going to challenge that, uh, you know, the red shirt uh, sophomore quarterback to, to beat Michigan. He, he's going to make him make plays with uh, a lot of pressure in his face. And uh, I expect I expect Michigan to be able to come up with some big plays on defense and, and do enough to win on offense. All right. Well, we will reconvene after the game and see how, how our predictions turn out. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.